All right, welcome back to the Too Tough Podcast, another quarantine edition. You know, we've been doing quarantine editions because, you know, social distancing, no one can be in person, we can't go to the studio. So we've used this as an opportunity to bring in some guests and, you know, we don't have to worry about good audio quality. So over Zoom, I have my good friend, uh, a reoccurring guest on the show, actually, Mihir. Hey. <laughs> hey, what's up? Hey, I think I've been on what three, four times. I think now? you've been on been a couple times. At least three. At least or at least twice. Three, yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah, I haven't been on. Re- it's been a while though since I last was on. Yeah, because I remember. Yeah, because I haven't been. I haven't been home much. You talked about AI last time, I think. Did we? Oh yeah, let's see. Oh wait, yeah, now I remember that. But this time I hear you have something a little bit more. Uh, well, I guess it's still computer related, but I mean, you did just. Still computer related. That's that's my specialty. But now that I'm thinking about it, I realize that it's probably not the most quarantine related topic. But oh well. So what's it about? What do you got? So for us today, I have I'm talking about like mapping software. So like Google Maps, Apple Maps, Waze, all that stuff. So recently I've actually been so I kind of when you said a list of things to potentially talk about, I was curious to hear about this one because Recently, I'm doing a summer studio for masters and the professors were thinking, well, since we can't meet in person and since we can't go visit any sites, let's just do a site anywhere. So we're building a project in the middle of Greece. That's pretty cool. And we're going off only Google Earth data and Google Map data and Street View stuff. So So what is your project sort of on then? Are you like building... A building like in Greece as if it would look for look like through maps and street view data yeah so we're using we use Google Earth to map out coordinates of our location and we're using like the mapping software to kind of get an idea of the topography and the landscape mm-hmm. and since a lot of these sites are actually very remote they're also the only visuals we have for the site are these satellite mapping images. Yeah, that's definitely. And it's a it's like a simple tiny house type deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I was watching a documentary about Bill Gates on Netflix the other day, and about how he's trying to eradicate polio. And I believe, I think the one he's struggling with right now is Nigeria. And one of the biggest problems they have with trying to eradicate it and get everyone vaccinated is with, you know, accurate mapping data so they know where to go and where the actual towns are so that they can target them and send people there to spread vaccines. Which is, it's already, I feel like it's pretty difficult if it's not like the super advanced country to get mapping data. It's another thing when it's a remote country that probably didn't have normal mapping data in the first place, let alone digital mapping data. Oh yeah, like in the documentary, they mentioned how a lot of the maps that they were depending on were like, you know, 50 plus years old from like colonial times in Africa. So it was basically impossible to, for them to figure out, you know, because a lot of these like smaller, uh, less developed countries have like a lot of villages in them. So it's hard to figure out where the villages actually are if there aren't really roads that tie them to other places. But well, I'll dive into all of that as I um, start talking about, you know, the basics of how, at least in the United States, how we have a huge amount of data that we can access very quickly. So does that start in the private scene or is it kind of random? So actually that's where I'm going to start off first. So it's a mixture of private and government. So like even Google maps, Apple maps, 
they have to depend pretty heavily on like local and regional governments because they're the ones that actually know where the roads are. Think about when the roads are being constructed. Right. Private companies don't know where the roads are being constructed, but you know, a government is the one that's paying for the roads to be constructed. So they have the data on that. So the first level is trying to create a basic roadway map of a region. And, um, you know, Google Maps for, I'll, I'll be mostly focusing on Google Maps here, but the same stuff applies to Apple Maps, Bing Maps, if that's a thing, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it might be. Microsoft is always trying to get in everybody's shoes. They are pushing for it, yeah. So the way that it works is Google uses or works with these governments to try to license our data about, you know, where the roadways are, where the lanes are, because that's pretty important too when it comes to, you know, being able to accurately make turns, being able to navigate, you need to know if there are multiple lanes, if there's a good turning lane or not. So that's the first level. Apple Maps is good with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'll talk. I was, when I was doing research about that, one of the biggest, my favorite features of like most mapping software is when you're like getting directions and it tells you exactly which lane you need to be in. That's my favorite part. Waze doesn't do that. Yeah, I literally, 50% of the time where I'm driving, and if I'm, unless I'm driving somewhere I know, like if I'm driving, I spent basically half the time worrying about whether or not I'm in the right lane. It's constantly stressful. <laughs> yeah. But so the first level is, you know, getting that roadway data from um, the local governments. Then now there's only so much data you can gather, right? You can't. And right. I'm sure you everyone knows government bureaucracy isn't the easiest to deal with. So it's pretty slow process and not, it's not always accurate, especially if there's like new construction going on. I know around here, there's a lot of like new construction, new neighborhoods going on. So it might not be as easy to get all the data about, you know, the new roads in the neighborhoods. So that's where like actual street view drivers, you know, the big Google cars with like the big cameras on top, that's where those come in. I wonder how, long it takes for something to update because i think of the bridge near your house for that the couple years that mm -hmm. it was closed now is that yeah. do they have like what is the chain to like make gps's not then be like oh by the way this is shut down mm -hmm. so i think it'll be i feel like google could probably um, guess that it's shut down or not really operational once they stop seeing people go or over see people it. make U-turns. And I'll get, right, and I'll get to that later about how they use, like, actual user data, but, um, you know, these, they have, they send drivers out in cars to drive around and map and double check the data that they already have, and then they can, you know, say, like, hey, this road is closed temporarily, um, you know, I know in cities that happens a lot where there's, like, construction on a street and Right, yeah, they shut it's, down they shut down entire streets for like two days. They're not the fastest. Though. So I'm yeah. sure you, yeah. <laughs> and so that is a little harder to get by just, you know, sending around drivers because you only have so many drivers. So that's where the actual users come into play. And Google and Apple both basically use the location data from people's phones to try to, um, to try to, estimate where people are going and build an even more thorough picture of how people are getting Isn't around. that where traffic data comes from based on how many vehicles mm -hmm. are in a proximity to one another going a speed? Yep, that's where traffic data comes in. And so like if we're both driving down the road, our phones 
are capturing data about, you know, how fast we're moving. Our GPSs are capturing data about how fast we're moving. And so that'll probably give Google an estimate for, you know, what the traffic's like in a region. Um, I don't know if you saw this recently, a couple months ago, some German artist did an art project, but art is in quotations, where he put 99 um, smartphones in a wagon and slowly dragged the wagon down the street. <laughs> and basically, according to Google Maps, it was basically like there were 99 cars that were stuck there crawling down the street, you know, moving at walking pace, basically. That's awesome, though. That's that's so clever. Yeah, so he was able to basically create a huge, like, massive traffic jam there. And because of that, Google started routing cars in different streets. So basically, he was the only person on that street. <laughs> oh, man. Because Google will do that. Google will, and Apple Maps does it as well. They'll hit you with, hey, there's a there's traffic. Let me get you give you a faster mm -hmm. route. Yeah, and we, I'm sure you know, it, it doesn't always work out. No. Because it's just trying to guess based on people's um, phone data suggesting, you know, there have been times where Google Maps took me on this wild back road, super windy back road. And I just got stuck because I had to try to make a left across traffic and I couldn't get out. I think. And my conspiracy theory is that it sent me there to try to ease traffic pressure and leave me stuck there. It didn't actually care about <laughs> what, how fast I was going. But I've had an issue once that I, I went to go pick something up that was from someone's house that was really far away on the, on like North, North East Philadelphia. And that's like toll territory. And like the most efficient way to get home would to be go on the highway and get hit with tolls. But I didn't know that when I went there and I took all back roads to get there. But the thing is, as the maps would update for a faster route, I had to be cautious because it updated me to a toll road. Yeah. So every once in a while, I, I had definitely to, had that. Scenario. Every once in a while, I had to pull over. And I had to be like, "No, take me on a route with no tolls, otherwise I'm gonna have a really bad time." Yeah, I remember I was driving back from the New Jersey beach once, and we were literally scraping together quarters to try to pay our tolls because we didn't have enough cash. You're on like, us. ah, this is not good. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And the worst part is when you realize when you're at the toll booth that that's a toll road. Otherwise, you don't know. Why are tolls credit? Why don't they just have credit card tolls now? I don't know. It there's so much, so many things around the country that are cash based. That we'll we'll get to that. That's a future yeah. episode. Probably. I mean, even look at uh, with quarantine now, they're not even charging people. They're just like, yeah, we see your license plate. We'll get you later. Yeah. Which is like, well, why didn't you just do I that mean, before, huh? <laughs> <laughs> if only. But yeah, and then in addition to you know, all this user data, traffic data that's used. Another aspect, like you mentioned before for your project is the satellite data. So, you know, Google Earth, if you try, if you go on that, that's a huge chunk of information that can show you, you know, you can zoom into individual roadways, you can zoom in to see your own house, you can see your own driveway. So it, that combined with all the other data really helps them create that super realistic picture. Because if you go into Google Maps these days, it'll even show you like the actual shapes and outlines of buildings. Yeah. In 3d mm -hmm. now. So that a lot of where that comes from is the satellite data. Now who owns those satellites? So, um, part of those satellites are usually government owned, but I remember, I forget the exact name of the company, but I know Google, um, 
acquired a company, I think it's called Keyhole in 2004. So about 16 years ago when, you know, when all this map stuff, Google or stuff was starting to take off and they operate a bunch of private satellites to take images. Wow. So I remember, what was it? A couple of years ago, I was looking at satellite imagery for uh, my house and I could see my dad's old car there because it hadn't been updated in a few years, even though my dad had, hadn't had that car for like five to six years. Wild. Map, mm-hmm. map day is really, you know, it's interesting though. They've done so many drive-bys with the Google street view that now you can actually see different times of the year in different years. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's, and with their um, self-driving stuff too, they get a lot of map data as well. And, you know, self-driving cars are going to rely heavily on this map data going forward, especially for topography and stuff, you know, knowing whether it's a hill or whether it's like a flat piece. So you know how to modulate speed and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm, Google is, if anybody was to be a leader in this, it would be Google just based on how much data they've had for what, 20 years now, 25 years. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, when I was looking at some of the history of it, I was looking at, you know, the first, one of the first commercial mapping things was MapQuest. And yeah, unrelated, but I would love to see a project where um, someone just like sets up these super old, like 10 to 12 year old websites and tries to create like functioning replicas of them. So you could like go back and see what it was like to use MapQuest in the late nineties or early two thousands or AOL. I guess it's getting to the point that like, website nostalgia is such a thing that you can bring back a retro site oh yeah i mean i remember the old days of like facebook and like the late 2000s where it was you know they it was just a complete like the overall design is still the same but it's changed so much in those years to focus from like people sharing updates to like people sharing news stories and stuff like that yeah so Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not sure where you are in your topic, but I wanted to talk about something that, you know, would, pa- you know, these electric car. Well, OK, wait, I jumped a lot of guns here. Self-driving, you know, you don't really see a lot of self-driving di- diesel cars. They're all electric. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, you know, there's been an issue going on. You know, I kind of wanted to bring a current topic into the mix. So not only are we quarantined. But there's a bigger issue going on as well when it comes to shortages. There's no lithium-ion mm-hmm. batteries anywhere. Yeah, I mean, lithium-ion batteries power everything. everything. You know, phones, laptops. Nintendo Switches. Basically, all the, electro- <laughs> all the electronic devices in your house, practically. You know, Everything that you need to stay entertained in this quarantine season is powered by that. So lithium-ion batteries... Are- as you said, they're a huge part of our day-to-day lives. And actually, the price of those like components, they've doubled between 2016 to 2018, just based on like what's been going on. And with so many really? electric vehicles, like, um, wait, let me see. What, this article is from March 25th, 2020. Uh, they were talking about how Audi, uh, they halted production on their electric SUV. And the Jaguar Land Rover paused production on its iPace electric SUV as well, just due to the lack of supply. Um, Nintendo mm-hmm. Switches are having shortages, as anybody who's trying to buy one for quarantine has realized. <laughs> and this is a big issue. 
because yeah especially since you know lithium of lithium ion is a like it's a rare metal and there's only so much of it in the earth so once we get to the point where we mine it all it's going to be basically impossible to build new lithium ion batteries and now the thing is there's a lot of parts that go into lithium ion but you also need cobalt and a lot of these materials are not stuff that you find you know in your backyard here uh the number one mm-hmm. cobalt mining, for instance, is in one country. And can you guess the country? Mm, China? No, it's the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Wow. So that already gives you a sign about like how like developed the, this is. So yeah. they're responsible for 65% of the global supply. And they're also one of the least developed countries and have very limited transparency to their actual like supply chain when it comes to cobalt. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember when I was doing some research on the map stuff, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Congo and like Kinshasa, its capital, there is not a lot of mapping data, you know, to help the companies that need to get the cobalt in and out of those in and out of the DRC to actually, you know, operate there. But I mean, you also have bad vibes of since it's underdeveloped, you also have dangerous working conditions, forced labor and child labor as well. But like they need the co- these companies need the cobalt, and just prices are going up. Like the the number of like lithium ion batteries needed projected went from like a small amount in like 2015 when it was just you know starting. There was a lot of uh, starting of like electric buses, electric cars, um, but it's projected to what is that? go up 10 times i don't know i know doubling and quadrupling quadrupling but i don't know what 10 times is deca something like anyway that. it's gonna go up a lot there's a there's a big yeah. need and it sucks because it's coming at a time where you have tesla and a lot of these companies you know electric electric vehicles are not something new they kind of got killed off when they first were introduced, mm-hmm. but now they're having a giant resurgence. And I blame most of it for Tesla, just like. Yeah, I remember a couple months ago, I was um, out in Michigan at the Ford Museum, and there are some really like old like cars from 60s and 70s, maybe even earlier, that were like electric prototypes. And the limiting factor for them was batteries. And even today, the limiting factor is still batteries uh, and its range and capacity. Tesla is heavy, and it's mainly because wherever they could shove a battery they put a battery yep and what's funny is they're not like a tesla battery is not one cell it is about what a couple maybe like a thousand different battery cells yeah it's a bunch of different battery cells all together so imagine that way (laughs) they're not the size of a double a but i'd say they're about the size of like two d batteries taped together end to end but like Mm -hmm. if one of those goes bad it like screws up it can screw up the whole circuit. Yeah, and the way only way as of right now to get more range on electric cars is just, is to just shove more and more batteries in. Which is funny because you want everything. The idea of an electric car is that it's more sustainable. It's not polluting with gas. But then you look at this process and like the mining of the Congo, the lithium ion shortage, how so much of it has to be imported in. It makes you think it's like, oh, geez, we need to, um, how clean is this? It's like, does, does the end justify the means? Oh yeah. I mean, that's a big part of like 
the people that say that even electric isn't really the future of cars is the fact that there's so much other activity that requires fossil fuels that goes on around it, you know, mining of cobalt, transporting that cobalt to, you know, factories in the United States, factories in India, factories in China, where these batteries are being manufactured, and then, you know, actually generating the electricity to put in those batteries. There's a ton of stuff that goes on around the actual electricity being stored in the batteries that takes up a lot of fossil fuels. It's a big issue. It's, you know, lithium isn't necessary. Lithium ion batteries are not necessarily recyclable. Like you can't take Mm -hmm. a battery out of an old iPhone and then send it somewhere where they can turn it into new batteries. Yeah. Basically once, I mean, I'm sure everyone that has an old phone around knows that after a couple of years, your battery life starts getting worse on old phones, old laptops because you know the material in there starts to wear out like we do we do have an old macbook pro like i forget when but the battery on that thing there's a there's a decent bulge like it is is a not okay bulge that's also and those that's also why you shouldn't throw these batteries out because when that trash compactor hits them if it does it wrong you just blew up a garbage truck yep that's what i was gonna say too that you know as soon as the inside of these lithium ion batteries are exposed to oxygen, they catch on fire. And that is not fun. And I mean, well, you know how Samsung had a nice little experience with their batteries. Right. Yeah. The note seven disaster. That's also why there's a max, there's a maximum amount of battery you can take on an airplane. Mm -hmm. All right. I think the new MacBook, the 16 inch MacBook pro is like, basically takes it right up to that line i think it's like 100 watt hours or something and any bigger and it wouldn't be allowed on planes that's a big battery it is a beefy battery yeah and i remember i don't know if how substantiated this rumor is but i know that tesla is trying to make an announcement about battery day sometime soon where they're going to focus on like new technology and their batteries and one of the rumors is that they're trying to produce a battery that after its life in a Tesla vehicle is done, you know, after it gets to the point where it's not as useful, you know, it, the range might drop from say like 400 miles to like 200 miles. At that point, you don't really want it in the car, but it still has capacity and it could maybe see out it, the rest of its life in a factory or like in a power plant where it can store other energy, just not as efficiently as it once did. Right. So you think, what do you think is going to be next? I mean, there's these ideas of like, well, obviously electricity comes from the transfer of electrons. So mm-hmm. I think one of the coolest things I've seen are hydrogen cell, which in a sense is kind of just like you could run it off water. Yeah. I mean, those are that's a pretty cool concept where like it's another – I know Toyota, I think, is going a lot more into the hydrogen cell market compared to electricity, where they're trying to focus. It's it's the same concept where basically you fill it up with hydrogen, then you use that to try to um, combust and make your the energy you need to drive your cars. But I honestly think that we are going to need some revolutionary like battery innovation sometime soon if we're going to have to if we're going to keep up this pace of using electricity yeah, because if people want to go sustainable sustainable comes from electricity and you need to store the electricity 
-hmm. Like, yeah, I guess. And a lot of the parts of sustainable is that you need to be able to, there are certain times of day or certain times of the year where you can produce a lot more. Think about like solar energy, you need to be able to produce it during the day and store it so that people can use it at night when they actually need light in their house. Right. And it's just this idea of, all right, cool. Well, if, if we want to be more sustainable, like we need to store it. I mean, as bad as gasoline is, it's a liquid that when you light it on fire, it makes, it makes cars move. I mean, it makes power. Mm -hmm. And the energy density of batteries of gasoline is insane. Like think about it. The, gas tank in cars holds what 12 20 gallons at most uh, at most and yeah. can basically at most and can basically take you as far as 500 miles and with and that sort of battery in a car in like a tesla needs to weigh a couple hundred tons and the efficiency of some of these engines these days like even the hybridization of some cars that generate electricity to then store and use at different times that don't need to be charged. Um, like my grandfather got a car a couple of years ago and the range on this thing is ridiculous. Cause even, even mm -hmm. more efficient cars make you think like, wow, what do we really need? <laughs> maybe if we only use a little bit of fuel, maybe it won't be that bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm starting to wonder if like, fully electric while it's like the ideal situation might be a little further out than we think where it's like everyone has a fully electric car just because of how useful gasoline actually is to us. Yeah. So I think we're going to have to wait and see on what happens, but I mean, I did start with <laughs> where lithium ion, what we'll do with batteries, but you know, I don't really have an answer and it's mainly because no one really has an answer. We've started to rely on this, mm -hmm in a sense is the most dense way to store electricity. So yeah. Now if only we can convert electricity back to gasoline or liquid form, that would be ideal. Just like I want liquid electricity. Just liquid dinosaurs. That's all we I need. know. All I know is the way technology has been going, who knows in the next 10 years, maybe there's going to be a revolution that comes that changes everything. Yeah. At this point I'm hoping that there is some big revolution that will help us, you know, cut down the weight and the size of the batteries by half while still maintaining the same range. Yeah. But, you know, I guess that's a story for another time. But <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. I think this is what I think we're at time here for this episode of Two Top. Thank you, Mahir, for coming on. Mm -hmm. It's been a, it's been a fun. Yeah. Uh, it's a little remote, but, you know, that's still it's still something. Yeah, <laughs> kind of not the per I mean, both of us talking about like mapping and going outside, cars, again, going it's outside. The <laughs> Not the ideal quarantine content, but it's know, all the things we want to be back. doing right now, but we can't. So, but who knows? Maybe sooner than later. Um, well, thank you, Mihir, for stopping by for this episode for of Two Top. Uh, I hope, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to what we had to say, and we'll see you guys next time on another Two Topics.